whether it's a river runs through it or the oxbow incident the last best place or legends of the fall why is it that so many of the books that have defined the american west come from the same place this is breakfast in montana i'm russell roland and i'm aaron parrott and we're going to spend the next half hour talking about two books from montana one from the past and one from the present in an effort to understand what it is about this magical state that inspires so much incredible writing and so many memorable books so pour yourself a good strong cup of coffee and spread some huckleberry jam on your toast and welcome to breakfast in montana Welcome to Breakfast in Montana. I'm Russell Rowland. I'm Aaron Parrott. And we're here with two people for once. This is the first time I think we've had two people at the same time. Yeah. Sure. Uh-huh. I can tell by how crowded it is. <laughs> <laughs> so we are here with uh, Charles Finn and Barbara Michaelman. Charles is the author of On a Benediction of Wind. And Barbara did all the photography for this book, which just won the Montana Book Award. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That's Thank so you. cool. Thank you. Very serendipitous. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? We just found out a few days ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. We're going to talk about this book, and we're also going to talk about photographing Montana, 1894 to 1928, which is the story of Evelyn Cameron, who... Most people in Montana know by now, but they sure didn't in 1990 when this book first came out um, by Donna Lucy. So, uh, yeah, let's start with, uh, why don't you guys tell the story about how this book came about? Because I know it was a friend of yours, but I don't know who it was that suggested. It was Gene Minmack and his wife, Rob, you hosted a outside dinner one September and we were all gathered around the table. There was a whole group of friends. We've been working on these tin types and fooling around. I don't even know if we were working no, on the tin not, types. No, not yet. Well, we, were, really. we started no. just sort of doing some things together. I think we were. Uh, no, I don't think so. I, but it's a long time ago. This is back. <laughs> right, shows you how far back that was. Probably a lot of wine at this dinner. Yeah, yeah. that was that yeah, right. too. <laughs> Anyhow, Gene said, you guys ought to do a book. <laughs> yeah. And the whole table, there were like 12 of us, and the whole table went, oh, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And it was, and it was such a, a sudden response from everyone all at once. They were a little taken aback. But then Barbara and I looked at each other and thought, like, well, why didn't we think of that? Right. I think that's how it went. Right? Could we were be. Like, yeah. Because we've always had this... seen there's been a, a similarities in our work, even though it's you yeah. know, obviously different genres. Or, right. Or, but um turned out they were pretty prophetic. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, here you win this award. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. So then we did start working on various ways to put the book together, or what were we going to do? I think that's when we started with some tin types and experimenting Could be, yeah. with them. Um, so how have plans to do more stuff? Volume uh, 2? They haven't right. talked about it yet. Yeah, no, we've, we've <laughs> talked about it a little bit. We've talked about it. Oh, you have? Yeah, yeah, we have. We yeah. have. And maybe, so. you know, playing slightly differently. I don't know. You know, yeah. we're... Yeah. we're uh, uh, have Charles do the photographs next time. <laughs> there right. you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not, but yeah. So, yeah, you know, well, and actually this book started out 
being a, a, a book about the birds on the flyway. So you can mm. see how, <laughs> how we don't actually adhere to the direction we started. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's the nature of the process. Yeah. You know, yeah. you don't know where it's going to go. So we've talked about it, and we'll just see how it right. shapes out. So can I ask in you know, more detail, um, had you already written these poems, and then you put the together with a photograph or did you look at the photographs and then write the poems or how did it work uh both okay. right so, so there's there's uh, maybe half a dozen in here that um i saw some of you know barbara's work whether it was maybe i was looking at a website or you were showing me on your computer and it sparked the poem so i wrote the poem after seeing the photograph uh, most of the other ones is where i had i would be writing and i sent something off to barbara and she'd find a photograph that paired with it. Oh, right on. Yeah. So some are rekfrastic and others aren't. Right. And, and, and the way the process worked, I would read the poem, hear the poem in my head, read the poem, and I would try and get a sense of what the poem evoked emotionally. Mm. And then I would go through this whole, all my photographs, and try and find that same echo emotionally rather than just mm. visually so that it would have that sort of emotional response that I always felt from Charles as well. Sure. So what yeah. we, we talked about at length right from the beginning is we didn't want it to be static where there was you know, poem, photograph, poem, photograph, mm. and it's simply my poem was sort of a narrative support or her photograph was a visual representation of the poem. We wanted them to be different enough but have a con what we called a conversation between yes. each other. So there's th the best analogy that I've come up with is you can have a great uh, dinner, great meal. Mm -hmm. You can also have, and it's wonderful on its own, you can have a great bottle of wine, wonderful on its own, but you put the two together and it creates this even better third right. thing. So yeah. that's the More approach we took. Parts. Right. Yeah. Hey, could you explain ekphrasis? I'm not sure all the listeners would know what that uh, is. What's the easiest way to define it? Just um, a, a, a work that is springs from another work. So, so a piece of writing that comes from, say, a photograph. Mm. Is, is there a better way to say that? Or? No, I think that's yeah. Very good. Yeah. One piece of art that inspires another piece of art. Mm. I think it can go other ways. I'm not certain. Maybe a... A sculptor could read a poem and sculpt something. Mm. I'm not sure. The, the most common way is when you, you write something from a photograph yeah. or a painting. Right. That's how it's generally thought of. So do you have a favorite poem, Barbara? Yes. I always <laughs> did. Celebration Day. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Celebration Day. I believe there will come a day when even our greatest sadnesses will break ranks, wipe their tears away, and march like patriots into the eternal, dark closet of the sea. It will be a time of great rejoicing, the alpine of our troubles laid low, a day to sing hymns and write songs about, a day to say prayers over the corpse of our worries. And like love for our children, we will be unable to shoehorn one more feeling in. As for our sufferings, they have been like olives in the gin of our days. Truly, I will miss them. But we must leave them. Leave them the way the stars leave the heavens, leaves leave their branches, the way the geese just now are leaving the water. 
all at once, completely, in a great honking celebration of the journey to come. So, Barbara, did you have a pretty easy time picking a photo for that one, or was it? No. No. <laughs> yeah. No, I, you, you know. You want to describe it? Well, I, I, you know, first of all, I have photographed, I probably have 15 or 20,000 photographs of birds along the flyway, because oh. I've been photographing the flyway uh, forever. Uh, and it goes all the way from Alaska down to the Mexican border. Oh. So, I, so trying to find one that fit, and I tried sometimes. I tried different kinds of shots, and I liked that one because it's it, it's sort of it's on the edge, and you see the birds, but there's a lot of cloud in mm -hmm. that in that image. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when it was first reproduced, it was actually came out dark, and it. And that's not the sense of the poem. Right. So that, you know. Mm. So then we talked about it, and uh, it it got lightened, which works a lot better mm. to my eye, and to what the sensibility of a poem is. Mm. Yeah. You know, one thing I think worth commenting on is the uncanny resolution of these photographs in a paperback book. Yeah. I don't know who the book designer was, but so there there were some bumps along the road, but we do <laughs> need to give um, kudos and a shout out to Chatwin Press. That's yeah. amazing. Right. Um, they did a wonderful job with this. Yeah. And in particular, um, the owner, Phil, was very much involved in the, the paper. He was excited about it. He wanted to have this certain paper. Yeah. And he wanted the images to be sharp. He didn't want um, you know, the, the poems to be the <laughs> just the main thing. And it's a little image over here. So it, it came out really, really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the um, detail is amazing. Yeah. He was very particular about that. When I finally saw the first draft, uh, the one that mm -hmm. corrected, I was so pleased. And of course, we, you know, we, we had some, you know, minor corrections, this and that, but the quality of what they had reproduced were very accurate to what I had oh, uh, sent to them, because yeah. I was so fussy about yeah my work and um yeah and i'm sure yeah. that's not always the case right no yeah. no and, it's very and, hard usually yeah. to get that quality unless it's the, a big coffee table yeah uh, especially the, for the, a book this size i mean yeah it's, so it's we, like that looks like 3d yeah We're, there's a little discussion should it be a coffee table book mm. that might price it too much for a lot of people that you yeah. know so um annie Rule is that her last yeah. name? She is the the designer. Right. right. She's the one that finally took over and and put it together. Uh, and again, she also did a, a Brule, fabulous maybe. job. Brulee, yeah. yeah. She did a beautiful job. Yeah. And it, it gave us the book that we wanted mm -hmm. because it went through a lot of iterations. So you were okay with the size too, because it's. Oh, we it's, always. You always wanted what, a smaller one. What we did when Charles and I worked together, and then we had. Uh, um, a sort of a, a working idea of what we wanted. Uh, I did the design on it, and I laid out a small book. Because I thought mm. two things. One, black and white, and then a small book is a lot less expensive to reproduce. And I also like the idea that it's a very democratic book. You can carry <laughs> you know? it with you. You yeah. can throw it in your pocket. You know? like quotations from Chairman Mao. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I like to think it's, it's the counter. Not that democratic. I, I like to think it's that the yeah. counterbalance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But that was originally, you know, what we were thinking about from, mm -hmm. from the jump. So they actually went just a little bit larger because the original that we designed was an, uh, 
five and a half by eight. I oh, think. Sorry. yeah, yeah. This is an unusual size, and yeah. it and it and it serves serves everything. I think wonderfully well. Mm -hmm. So no, I I. Uh, I, you know, I, I like the idea that anybody can throw it yeah. throw it on the seat of the car, you know, and grab something from it. Have you always worked mostly in black and white or no? No, I, I mean, I started so far back in photography and then, of course, I was shooting film then. And Why don't you tell a little about your history? Where did oh, you grow up, for, for one thing? I was born in Brooklyn. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I lived there until I was seven, and then we moved to Queens. And uh, so I grew up in New York City. Hmm. And I went to school in Europe my sophomore year, and that kind of ruined me. <laughs> Where in Europe? Florence. Oh, right on. And, oh. And then, I, and then I studied art history and uh, 19th century and 20th century European history. And then I, I traveled around Europe about three months and when I came back yeah I just had a different view of, of what life is and uh, I was going to school in Syracuse and I transferred out to UC Berkeley and never looked back I fell mm. in love with the West so and, you studied history at Berkeley or what? no I studied philosophy oh, <laughs> oh interesting there is a you know do you ever see a want ed <laughs> <laughs> yeah for philosophers right. yeah <laughs> So. Almost as rare as poets. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's about a philosophy. Okay, so oh. yeah, it's on a par, right? <laughs> but from there, you went on to work lighting and. And then I, I, I ended up uh, working in Hollywood. I wanted to be a writer, and they mm. said, get it any way you can. And I, I was covering the news for the National Women's Political Caucus, and they were opening up uh, the guilds and unions. Uh, the state mandated that they had to let women into the guilds and unions. So mm. I applied. And I ended up in lighting, so I was one of the first women in the lighting union in, yeah, oh. in L.A. At, in, I had a camera in my hand, but it's kind of how I backed into photography mm -hmm. because I was working with some amazing cinematographers, mm -hmm. you know, and and it's all about the light. Right. So when was this roughly that you were in L.A.? Uh, which time? Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see, I was there in the mid-70s, and I think... I think I started in at the Union 75, 76, maybe until 1980, and then. Wow! So they they didn't let women in before 1975. No, there yeah, were no women amazing. in any of the unions, and you know there were six of us when they finally opened up the union. There were over a thousand men in the union, wow. and and their attitude was that we were tokens, mm. and uh, we didn't know how to do our job, and so every time. I walked on a set, there was assumption I didn't know what I was doing. Jeez. And I used to think, I know we will have arrived when I can be as mediocre as the guy I'm working with and nobody notices. <laughs> because you had to be so much better than just to be equal to. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And it, it was, it, it, it was, uh, it's a whole chapter of my life. Right, <laughs> right. But I learned a lot and I also ended up the last few years working with some amazing people with a fabulous cinematographer, a guy named Don Bernkrant. <laughs> yeah. And I learned a lot about lighting and the nuances of it. And, uh, and then I, I moved into uh, doing more, more photography mm. on my own when I moved back up to the Bay Area. Mm. So... Where did you guys meet? 
uh, in Stevensville. Yeah. You know, circle of similar friends. So how about yeah. your story, Charles? Yeah. yeah. How did you uh, become a poet? It's clear from your accent that you're not a cowboy. No, I'm not. So originally from Vermont, family, father's side from Boston. So, you know, people actors, people still pick up on that sometimes. And I'm just yeah. amazed because I don't feel like I it's have anything subtle. of a New England accent. But, you know, I was in second grade and I wanted to be a writer. I had that idea. Mm. And I still have these little Star Trek scripts and Wild Wild West scripts, which are like, Run, Spock, run, you know, Jim, phaser, shoot, the end, right? And they're hilarious. I, I just was looking at them the other day, going through a box of stuff. You wrote well, I, these or you? I wrote them, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and my mother, of course, saved them, God bless her. Um, yeah. I, so I went to Syracuse also and then traveled also Europe and three years in Japan. And I finally landed back here and actually in British Columbia and carved out a lifestyle where I was working very, very little, living, you know, off grid or in these sort of funky little cabins. And that's where I began writing for, like, actually seriously trying to write and publish. So what were you doing for a day job? Were you, like, you know, uh, I had to work under or? the table. I wasn't really allowed to work work there. So, um, you know, someone would say, hey, I'm pouring a foundation. You want to give me a hand? Oh, I and I started just learning construction that way. Or we're we going to put a roof down and I, you know, be the third, fourth guy doing that, and eventually learned quite a bit in the in that trade. And, but yeah, I just started publishing, and never took a class. I uh, never studied writing as such, right? Just um, studied it on my own, just reading Mary Oliver and Peter Matheson and Barry Lopez and people like that. Annie Dillard, mm-hmm. those are very seminal. Um, seeing how they put their work together and just tried to copy it, mimic what I could, and put it in my own words. And so I'm, that's sort of the short, sweet version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When did you guys meet? Was it quite a few years before that dinner, that fateful dinner? Mm-hmm. Just Probably before. not, because okay. I think we, Joyce and I and my wife, we moved to the Bitterroot around 2006. Okay. Ballpark. We had probably known each other for a year or mm. two. Mm-hmm. I was thinking. But not much more. No, it was about 2007, I think, I met you when I first Maybe moved. that's about it, yeah. 2007, yeah. 2008, so, yeah, when I first moved to the Bitterroot. Yeah, so. But, you know, we, we hit it off immediately just because mm-hmm. we, there's a similarity in our work that we, we recognized. And what, what do you, how would you describe that similarity? I mean, I one of the things I noticed is there's a, a lot of spiritual elements to your poems. Mm-hmm. Comparing yeah. nature to, um, or contrasting nature to the relig- religious world. Yeah. And I, uh, is that part of it, or what? What? What would you describe it? How I you think it's it? the sense of mystery. Oh. A mystery that's more, so much more than either of us, mm. anybody, mm. and something that. Once you name it, it loses its it loses what it is. There's that, and that's what I've always gotten from Charles's work yeah. is something that's th- that I sense that is just beyond grasp. Yeah, that's a good word to say. I think there's um we both find a certain amount of solace mm. being out outside, and what attracted me to Barbara's work in particular is not these grandiose you know, mountain peaks with a beautiful sunset and the 
perfect set of flowers, you know, right. leading up to it. They, they evoke that holiness and if there is a hidden spirituality, um, but it's the, the grandeur is left for you to find it on your own. Right. So you probably get asked to read this one a lot, but would you read the one on page 48? Sure. I got Which one is that? Oh, I'm afraid it's going to be... I'm kidding. Yeah, great. <laughs> oh. I, have, I have never oh. dared, I've never <laughs> dared read this in public. Um, on the right question, Lauren um, asked me to read it. She did? I, she did? I, yeah, and I said, I'll read the first line. Because <laughs> like, your, your listeners are going to tune off. Yeah. If I read this now, these guys, people would be turning the dial. <laughs> she really <clears> asked <throat> you that. But, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's interesting, yeah. and I, did, I was totally kidding when I wanted you to read it, yeah. but um, it, it, I'm always interested in how a poem reads on the page versus when somebody reads it aloud. Right, yeah. Like the whole Shakespeare thing, you know, on mm. the page versus on the stage. Um, but this is one, and the other one that pairs with it on 69. Yeah. So maybe just so people aren't too confused. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, it's called Migration Poem, both of these, Migration Poem 1 and Migration Poem 2. And it's just the word flap over mm. and over and over and over again. Paired with uh, photos, birds. Yes. But there's something about, especially on 48, you know, when you see, I don't know how many... Yeah, it's just the a word appears like yeah. eight hundred times. <laughs> right. it, yeah. it does evoke the like when the um, it, the geese take off from Freeze Out Lake. Yeah, right? mm. you know, so you're you're visually kind of capturing the effect. Yeah, yeah. A funny story about this is that so I wrote that like 2013 or something, and it is it's actually one of my favorite poems, and it was one of the easiest ones I've ever written, um, but. I, a couple months ago, going through the New Yorker, mm -hmm. and there's a cartoon, and it's a goose, and there's a little bubble, thought bubble over its head, and it's flat, oh, flat, really? flat, flat. Wow! Flat. They and, stole it from you. And I was like, Oh my god! So, <laughs> so I wrote, I wrote to the, um, I, I found out who it was, and I, I emailed him, and we had a little email exchange. Uh, and it was kind of fun. That's so, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But so I wish there, I had sent it to the New Yorker of, way back. Right? Maybe I could have had, you know, had that right. byline. Did you revise that poem a lot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lots of rewriting. Kept, should it be 99 or 98? I took out uh, this you know, flap and added that flap. I don't flap. know. No, right. no, no. Just... Right. <clears throat> so, Barbara, I was really glad that you picked uh, this Cameron, uh, Evelyn Cameron book. Um, it's kind of a cool story. Uh when I was back home from grad school in 1991, I think it was, um, my parents saw this ad in the paper about a talk at the Western Heritage Center by this woman, Donna Lucy, about this book. And, you know, it just sounded like something that might be interesting. So we went and, you know, we, we had no idea who this woman was, but um, her talk was, she did a really impressive job of presenting her story and, you know, showing photographs and stuff. And, um, of course, she's become probably world-renowned, right, Cameron? If not, Cameron's she should be. Her, her photography, photography. Uh, is stunning on its own. And then when you consider 
what it took to get those. Yeah, exactly. To get those images the at story, that time. Yeah. As, yeah. It's a great story. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, I, I got this signed copy from 30 years ago, and, mm -hmm. and I emailed the woman just a few days ago to tell her we were going to be talking about her book, and she was very happy to hear that. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Um, so you want to do you want to give us a brief uh, summary of her story because her story is incredible. Well, they, she and her husband came from England, and mostly uh, she left her family, who was quite well to do, because yeah. uh, they did not approve of him because he didn't offer enough <coughs> uh, in the way of. A financial security mm -hmm. and so and that proved to be true for the rest of their, their lives, lives. <laughs> but yeah. yet their contribution to yeah. Montana is stunning in, in both directions because he did work as a uh, studying birds of Montana and a lot of his work and the details went back to the Smithsonian oh really oh yeah yeah so a lot of the so stuff he became known later after yeah he well died. Uh, no, this was what this was going on when he was still alive. Oh, that okay. he was sending articles back east and details of the birds that he was studying in Montana. And she, they had financial difficulties, and they ended up buying a uh, a place I think right outside of uh, Terry. I mm -hmm. think that that's where they ended up, and uh, they were taking in boarders to try and. Uh, stay afloat, and one of the boarders, an Englishman, I think he was actually an Irishman, a guy named Adams, I mm -hmm. think that was That's the first right. one, was uh, an amateur photographer, mm -hmm. and that's how she backed into it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then she had to save the money to buy her first camera, and it was the 1890s, so they had come out with, uh, I think she, her first camera was a Kodak, a five by seven glass plates, but they were—they uh, weren't wet plates. I believe they were dry plates. And then he ended up buying another model a little bit later on that was a uh, uh, one you, uh, with film that you could wind. Mm -hmm. uh, but she didn't like the quality. She didn't, yeah. She didn't like the quality of what she was, uh, what he was getting with his camera for the kind of work that uh, he was doing. And so she stayed with stayed with the five by seven format, which has a lot more detail in each uh, negative, but just the process, it was so much guesswork trying to uh, develop and expose to the sun. That's how she was exposing, and then she'd have to shut it down, and the same thing with the prints. I mean, it was all, and some of these exposures that she was taking were 40 seconds, minutes, mm. and, yeah. And that's why if you look at old photos and everybody looks so stern, it's because they couldn't move for the amount of time that shutter was open mm -hmm. because it was so slow to uh, take the information for mm -hmm. for it to be uh, captured on the the uh, uh, glass plate. So and and so you know when I think about where photography is today and how anybody picks up a camera and they get a shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and the quality of the work. I mean, her photography was as rugged and rigorous as the life she led. Mm. And I was so struck by that, you know, yeah. because she was also very precise. She kept notes mm. on everything that she did. Right. So she knew how to go to the next one if the first one, you know, especially in the beginning, there were so many errors, but she kept going. So 
So, just maybe, if you know, can you explain how the glass works? I mean, is that the negative? Could you yeah. make multiple prints from the yes, glass? Yes, you can. Yeah, it's a coated, it's a, it's a glass with a coating on it. Um, yeah. But she did develop a lot of her own photographs? She oh. developed all her own photographs. She developed everything. There was no, there was no processing. No, she she developed all of that, and then she did all of the printing, and. Uh, and then she kept all those glass negatives for, and her yeah. friend Janet Williams, who was a close friend of hers, had them in her basement for decades, right? Right, and she wouldn't let anybody go near yeah. them, until uh, Donna. Uh, Donna Lucy came along yeah. and got to know her, and and. Uh, they went out to the old uh, ranch, and in that relationship, she was then able to go down into the basement, and it was amazing how much was salvaged because they were just sitting there. Yeah, oh, yeah. right. They but, could have been damaged. But so part easily. of it was the dryness. Mm -hmm. The Montana. Right. If it had been kind of right. bitter, it, maybe it wouldn't have lasted. Well, it's like the old, and, and you know, and there was there was some film too, and it's like the old nitrate film. Uh, that they used to store in Hollywood down in those, like, mm. uh, like you go down into these weird cellars where they had, like, all this old equipment down there, but that's where they used to store it because it was it, mm. it was cool. And the other thing was a lot of that stuff would catch on fire. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is the fate of so much Hollywood footage. That's right. It's mm -hmm. gone forever, right. including Mary McLean's movies. That's right. Just went up in flames, right. <clears throat> so the, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was... Um, like technically, for her to be able to capture like some of the natural, the wildlife images especially was so labor intensive. Like she would have to climb these cliffs with the nine pounds of right <laughs> camera of equipment. equipment and park herself for hours waiting for a bird to fly and come but to the nest. Apparently, <clears throat> she w was like a an animal whisperer. She, right. Yeah, she had. She must have been. She was. She had an uh, an uncanny ability and a knack. So she, in some of those uh, eagle and eaglet shots mm -hmm. and in the nest, she would go back and they got to know her and stop being afraid. Mm. I mean, that's how she got those shots because she was right there uh, with the nest. Right. And they just, they didn't fly away. Right. Mm. And there was something about her because that's true of some of the other animals that she photographed too. Right. Yeah. So... And it sounded like she had that effect on people, too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, she had so many... I, I love the part of her, at the end of her life, where people just were um, singing her praises, and it had very little to do with her photography. It was about the kind of person she was and yeah. how she was always willing to... Well, it, it, she help. was one of those people that... She showed up. If you needed something, she yeah. was there, and and you didn't have to ask her. She just right. showed up, and that seemed to be in her nature. And you know, the same thing in the story with her husband when he was dying, mm -hmm. and and the care she took, and right. uh, you know, uh, everything that went on with that. She was, in so many ways, I think, so exemplary of the best of who yeah. uh, uh, we can be. Right. And, uh, it's nice. It's nice to be reminded of that yeah, these yeah. days. Yeah. <laughs> 
there was also people that took advantage of her for that too. Like yeah, her but it, it, and, but it yeah, didn't sadly. stop her. Right, exactly. It didn't change her. She didn't become cynical. She, no, no, she didn't. And in fact, when her brother was having trouble, she again yeah, right. invited him to come back to yeah. the ranch and have a place to live. Yep. She was a very generous human being. Mm -hmm. Charles, you need to write some poems. To I, go with her photograph. I, I did. I wrote, did I, you? I did write one, yeah. Oh, cool. Um, there's a goshawk just standing there. Okay. And I, it's one of these things I just turned the page like, ah. and immediately a couple lines came into my head and I jotted them down and I, I have a, a poem. I don't think I have it here. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, and I don't have it memorized. Yeah. But yeah, so one, one popped That's out of there. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was going to ask you to read another one. There's some really lovely love poems in this Thank book. Thank you. Yeah. And I know your wife Joyce well and or well enough to know <laughs> that she's a big inspiration for these. So I wanted you to read Giant Heart. Giant Heart. For her birthday, he built her a giant heart. Made it out of old car parts, rusted tin cans, barbed wire, and stained glass. He made it ten feet tall, eight feet wide painted it, gypsy red. When the day came, he led her to it blindfolded, down the dirt path where the daylilies grew and the skunk cabbage flowered. By then he had had sticks and stones, old bones and French doors opening out. There was a nesting box for bluebirds and a needle for sutures. When he took the blindfold off, she settled against his shoulder, little hammers of joy beating in her breast. I gave it wings, he said, just like the real thing. She walked slowly around it, removing faded strips of wallpaper. When she tugged the starter cord, it chugged to life. It runs on homeopathic doses of hope, he said, pointing to a thimble as he knelt and handed her the keys. Mm. The, the photo yeah. that goes with this has a little yeah. bit of a story, okay. too. You wanna... Well, so, this was the photo that we chose originally. And they originally thought that it didn't fit with the rest of the, the photos book. in the book. Oh. So they put in a photo that neither of us really thought made any sense in terms of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, and they were very receptive to hearing us yeah. in that sense because we were so satisfied with most of what they had put together mm -hmm. but that was the one photo that just we both believed that this was the right photo mm. for it and so, they finally agreed yeah. so this photo obviously isn't um a, a landscape photo it's yeah yeah a, it's just a close-up of a little doll's head broken in a piece of and, and where that somewhere. comes from was from the one of the fires when I was photographing the aftermath oh. of the fires. It was everything in California. In, in California, was everything that was. I don't think that was the Paradise mm. Fire. I think that was Santa Rosa. Huh. Uh, I, it was the aftermath of the Santa Rosa fire mm. and everything that was sort of broken and destroyed. And so I did mostly. It was 
the landscape, what the landscape looks like in the aftermath. Yeah. But I did some close-ups, mm. and that's. Mm. Mm. And so, when we were when we put the book together, we when we Barbara came up from California, we had this long, long like three, four days where we just, right. let, it was like, come on, we got to do this. We've been talking about it for eight, 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 eight ten years. Right. Like, let's, <laughs> you know the phrase. So, um, and we really, you know, we hammered it out, or most of it right. um, at that point. And so Barbara picked, we would go through and she'd show, we'd be talking about, well, this one could go with it or that one could go with it. And we'd both, yeah, it's not bad, that's not bad. And nearly every single time, we come to one and we and we both go. That's oh the really? One. Yeah. That's and oh, we always always agreed. That's and it. when we saw this, it was simply that's it. Wow. That's that's the one we want. That's okay. really So there was cool. a, a yeah. really fun collaboration. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. like all right, if you want that one, sure. No, that's fine. really amazing. You know? Yeah. So no. we were, you know, it's huh. to, on the same page. It's right. It may have taken us forever, but in so yeah. many ways, it was so easy. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> then when they when they swapped that out and they sent us the galleys. Yeah. We were like, oh, you know. So we that was right. one we fought for to get back mm. in the book. Yeah. In how place. did you um, <clears throat> How did you hook up with the press? Is that your usual press, and you pitched no, it to them, or they no, came no. to you? Um, well, so going back just a little bit, once we had the idea for the book, and we had a few samples. Mm -hmm. uh, there was one publisher. I don't want to say who it was. I, I well, I started researching publishers who who would do a book mm. like this because yeah. not everyone's going to do a, a photo and poetry book. And the first one who I thought would be the best shot, I approached, I talked to her at the, somewhat of a friend at the festival in Missoula. And she looked at me and she said, you know, if your poems need photos to support them, then I don't want it. Oh. Like just sort of flat out, bang. Jeez. And so I, and I wasn't able to, to discuss and explain the idea right. well enough, maybe at the time, but she, and that set me on my heels a little bit. Yeah. Um, but when I was, so I was in Seattle, and again, on researching publishers, and there was um, a press there that was open to the idea of, of photo, photography and poetry combined. And I pitched it and, the, and showed them a couple samples, I think, and they invited me to come in and talk to them. Um, Phil, what's Phil's last name? Beavis. Beavis, yes. And I said, oh, uh, come up to Seattle, I'll have coffee. And so we sat down and, and talked, and. He liked the idea. I showed him a few more things. He said, "Yeah, send the whole send the whole book, mm. and we'll um, we'll see what we can do." And then they later, you know, they, he went with his team and they officially accepted it. But mm. uh, I was expecting, yeah, like if they hadn't accepted it, I there's a pretty short list of people who might have wanted yeah, to. Yeah, I think so. So we got lucky with them, I think, in yeah. a lot of ways. But and what we did because it is such an an outlier of a book yeah. in so many ways is I, I did a layout, a book design, and laid out the book. So, oh, yeah. Like so a dummy? We, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, and so we gave them our idea, because that was what mm, we were working on, one of the things yeah. we were working on when I came to Seattle, mm -hmm. that we were looking at, like, so that it, it didn't just... Like exactly some of the times where they overlaid. Yeah, where like, you know, there's, there's a... These kind where there's the image, but the, fo the words are... Superimposed oh, and, above it, and also like this, where it comes into the other mm -hmm. page, um, because they were not in the beginning. They weren't open to it. Oh, yeah, 
He was really afraid of having him run through the gutter. Yeah, that's a tricky would... thing to pull off, but well, I think it works so. in this book. Well, mm-hmm. what I, when I laid out the book, I made sure that when I put something in the middle, it wasn't going to lose information, uh, that it wasn't significant to the image. I made sure that mm-hmm. when I laid it out, when I, and, and when we were working with the poems, that... Um, and I they, figured they're my photos. I can and, do what and, I want. You know, <laughs> right. And so Chatwin Press, the, one other thing they did is we often had a full bleed. Right. We liked lo- the look of a full bleed. And Phil came back what and said... What does that mean? It means the, the image goes all the way. Oh, the no. gotcha. So he said, you know, you're, it will do your photographs much more justice if you give them a white border. Okay. And he was right. Okay. Sure, you know, yeah. so and we... So that was where there's this back and forth. Right. Like yeah. They'd say something, we okay. might not go for it, but they'd show us, and we're like, all yeah. right, we can live with it. So when we came with a couple of things, yeah, we collaborated with them it, yeah. as we, yeah. the two of us collaborated. So it was a very good working relationship. It really was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and as I said, they gave us the book that we had right. imagined. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and because of COVID and, and the things that happened mm. on there and that didn't have anything to do with us, it just, it took, uh, you know, longer than would have been normal. But mm-hmm. the end result was uh, so worth mm. the wait. And th- thank you, Chadwin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So can thank I ask you, one, Phil and Annie. <laughs> one more technical question about how, how you got that high resolution on these. Are these all digital photographs or did you have to scan? No, no, they're all digital. Okay. Everything I do is digital and there is software now that I use that mimics in some ways I think does a better job than the old black and white film Mm. because when digital first came out it did not compare with what you could get in black and white Mm. it it looked muddy and it doesn't it doesn't no Mm. no no yeah so how did you decide on the cover was that pretty much unanimous too? No, that was, they did that. They oh, did they that, and that yeah. was uh, the first designer's cover. That was yeah. Chad, mm. I think. Yeah. He came up with the design, and yeah. I, I thought it was wonderful. It's beautiful, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we loved it. Yeah. yeah. Well, what do you guys have in store now? What are you oh, both each working on? You have an interesting series that you're... Oh, you mean the, my uh, the Chinese wilderness series? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I've been a great fan of the Chinese wilderness poets forever. Wow. I read them over and over. Wow, I wow. Love them. So that's what I've been working on because uh, I have written like a whole host. I have about. I have more, but I have 25 that are done where I'm using and taking bits and pieces of my own photography and placing it like in the way that uh, a lot of Asian poetry is, where you have the, mm, uh, the image, with the, image the... with the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I've started working with that, and they're very short, mm. two, three, I think maybe four lines mm. maximum, and uh, taking these images and uh, working on various papers. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, trying them out. And, uh, and I love that torn edge. So, mm. yeah, that's what I'm working on. Wow. That must be pretty labor-intensive. It is. Yeah. It is very labor-intensive. It takes time. It takes time. Well, and you know, when you're working with something that's so short, yeah. it's like every word mm. is, is like, oh, no, I think it's it's this one, it's that one. So I have many iterations Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah but it's been a fun series uh and it started i started it i don't know 
15 years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. I, well, what happened was I had written these things when I was living up in the Sierras and totally forgot about them. Mm. And uh, I was going through my uh, photo files and these things popped out. And I went, oh, look at that. <laughs> and then I started adding to them. Mm. So. And Charles. Uh, yeah. yeah, well, I'm always working towards the next collection. And the, yeah. what I have right now is... It's a little bit disparate. I, it's it's easier to approach a publisher if you can say, here's, you know, sixty bird poems, or here's mm. you know this maybe like, all highline poems. So I'm, but I have a, a mishmash. So I don't, not sure what's gonna, mm. really come come out of it. Right. But, uh, yeah. And the, I mean, I'm people think of me primarily as a nature writer. Yeah. So um, right. the joke between Joyce, I just need to get out and just sit by the river more, right? And just do that. And that's that's how, my, that's my homework. But yeah. there's a joke between Joyce and I. It originally wasn't quite a joke, but when I'm in the her hair too much, or I'm just around the house, she's, she says, go watch a bird. <laughs> <laughs> and the first time she was like, get like, yeah, And right. now it's like, you gotta write, go mm, go down to the river, yeah. go for a walk. My, or, my wife just flips me the way. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, big demand for Highline poetry collections. I know right now. So, are you being okay? Good. <laughs> I'm gonna say, yeah. Hey, but I gotta, um, I gotta say, I heard you on uh, the right question. Uh -huh. I, I want to say last week. Was it? Last uh, week no, it maybe two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. Okay. Recent. And I haven't met you before today. So no. Yeah. I knew your voice before I met you. In person. Mm, right. But yeah. when I was listening to the episode, I was like, man, this guy could make a living just being on the radio reading poetry because <laughs> yeah. you have yeah. a really nice radio voice he's yeah. got a, and yeah. a good delivery with yeah. poems. It, no, yeah that's one of the technicians for the right questions said oh you got a good voice for radio it's really true yeah This is, I usually end uh, my readings with, with this one. Mm -hmm. What's it called? This is a, a partial list of it's things the last one in the I would like to be. And uh, uh, just a, a tiny bit of the backstory is I think I was actually like in the bath reading The New, oh. reading the New Yorker or something, right? Uh. And th someone had a line about, you know, how tired a tractor must be at the end of the day. <laughs> and so that's where the the tractor line comes in and I just started writing a whole bunch of other ones. Mm -hmm. Like I would like to be, I would like mm -hmm. to be. And then, um, and, th and threw out a whole bunch and crafted them into this, this poem here. <clears throat> um, one thing I'm always curious about is because I'll, I read it and I pace it mm. when I, when I read it. Mm. But for someone who experiences it just on the black and white of the pages comes across it, um, how it, how it reads to someone when it's, brand new. Mm. I don't know if you think about that mm. in your work sometimes, mm. but at any rate, a partial list of things I would like to be. I would like to be a sponge in the rain, wind in a tunnel, the prow of a ship, an atom being smashed. I would like to be air in a lung, cement hardening, bread rising. I would like to be sunlight and electricity and gasoline. I would like to be champagne.
I would like to be a match struck, a splinter coming out, a hay barn full of hay, a tractor on the last day of harvest. I would like to be a book being read, a hand held, a beer drunk, a baseball on its way to a home run. I would, I would like to be the sky on a cloudless afternoon. I would like to be a regret let go in a sports car taking a curve, a first kiss, a hug, and a birthday. I would like to be a homegrown tomato, a night out on the town. I would like to be a Christmas tree. I would like to be a couch on Sunday, a paycheck on Friday, good news in the mail. I would like to be a child's first step, a drum being beaten, a bed being made. I would like to be a wedding dress. I would like to be a log on fire, a swimming pool in summer, a toboggan in winter, the moon howled at by wolves. I would like to be gravity and photosynthesis. I would like to be a cure for cancer, for HIV AIDS, the common cold and heartache. I would like to be a favorite color, an old pair of jeans, a hot bath, and a college diploma. I would like to be a dance move. I would like to be a dovetail joint, a finish line, a path through the woods, a promise kept, a hole dug, a sold-out show, a free parking space, a day off. I would like to be a haircut and a new pair of shoes. I would like to be an afternoon nap, a traffic light turned green, a stereo turned up, a stamp licked, a puddle jumped, a stone skipped, an eraser clapped. I would like to be dessert, congratulations, and a good laugh. Finally. I would like to be a seed of almost any kind, and I would like to be the calm before the storm and the storm. <laughs> I love so. that so many of your poems have that little twist at the end that's unexpected. Like, that's the mystery that I think Barbara was. Mm. And I don't know if there's some geographical <laughs> impetus for this, but it reminds me a lot of that Pearl Jam song, Wish List, uh -huh. and that guy yeah. who's from Big Sandy. Right. Oh, yeah, okay. I don't know. Do you know that song? I don't, no. It's similar, but I wish I was instead of... Oh, okay. I'd like to be... Right, yeah. I'll try and work a little it. more sardonic. <laughs> Well, thank you guys. Yeah, for, thank you so much. Boy, thank you for inviting us. Awesome. And that's a beautiful book. It yeah, deserves really, the prize. Really Congratulations it, yeah. again. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And we okay. should uh, say thanks to Bedrock Books for that. Yeah, yeah, thanks to Bill Borneman and Bedrock Books. We're uh, recording this in Bedrock Books. and Surrounded by books. Yeah. Right. And we also have to thank the uh, Montana uh, Arts Council. They gave us a grant a few months ago. So we are grateful for that. Thanks. Thanks. Join us again for the next episode of Breakfast in Montana. Thank you. This is Russell Rowland, and I'd also like to thank my friend and podcast partner, Aaron Parrott, for sharing a microphone for the past four years. When we started this podcast, we didn't really know what we were doing or whether it would last, but thankfully, we've managed to develop a nice little following. And now my friend, Charles Finn, whose fabulous radio voice you've just heard is going to take over as co-host. Welcome, Charles, and thank you again, Aaron.